When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm delighted again to be joined by Kieran Kelly. Hello. And by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello again. Definitely not take two this, is it? We'll, we'll pretend it went well the first time. Um, today's podcast is about United's top four hopes. In the last week we've seen them draw nil-nil with Crystal Palace at home and then just about beat young boys in the Champions League. Uh, speaking earlier in the week, Jose Mourinho spoke about United's own chances of finishing in the top four. He said, I know it's a big gap. Here we go. But I also know until the end of December, we have eight Premier League matches to play. And with eight matches, we are speaking about 24 points. I believe we're going to be there. Mourinho is still confident of United finishing within the top four. But the simple question really for you two to ask and answer is, do you think United will be in the top four? by the end of the year. Kieran, do you want to get his kick started on this? <laughs> no. Uh, that's, that's, end, yeah. end podcast. End of calendar year? Or end yeah, of the, end of the, the end of the calendar year, at least. That's what Mourinho says. He said eight games, and he's confident I, I, they'll be there. I can't see it. I, I think his original prediction they'll be in a better position than they are now was almost a safer one. Um, but you know, That's the, just by the virtue. Exactly. Much worse than they do Move now up one just, place, you're, he's right. Um Obviously, the gap's seven points at the moment. Yeah. Um, you wonder with Chelsea whether they might be having their, their blip now after that Tottenham game and just see how they respond after that. Um, probably United, as touched upon many times, is um, they've got a favourable run on paper. Um, you're playing um, Southampton away, Fulham at home. Um, Huddersfield are in there, Cardiff are in there teams that on their day United should be beaten and should be beaten comfortably but the reality is United haven't done that in a game um, at all this season really have they gone in where you've from first minute they've dominated right up to last and that's an issue um, I think as I've said be nearly more confident about them going to Liverpool or playing at home to Arsenal because the players don't need any motivation there but the same things are in their head with regard to attitude um, when it comes to playing teams in the bottom half so I think that will cost them ultimately um, yeah they're keeping clean sheets now but at the other end they're they're struggling so trying to get the balance of you know those great attacking players firing all cylinders but then keeping it tight at the back they're really struggling with that at the moment and that's really hard to fix uh, four months into the season so um, I think I think it's going to be a struggle yeah, Samuel, immediately you said no. Um, I can understand why, based on what we've seen. Um, do you think in terms of the end of the season that could change theoretically? Or, or do you think that United's... Well, I guess the whole problem is the fact that we are already talking about top four being the maybe the best thing United can achieve this season. As we've said earlier in different podcasts, that's not a trophy. Tottenham might, and Arsenal might think you get trophies for that, but it doesn't matter at all. Fans don't really care too much. No, until... it's, it's, it's galling for them that I think going into this season... <laughs> They'd have, they'd have hoped that top four was was assured, but the reality is it's not. The banker it once was under Mourinho. Uh, I think Chelsea was 16th when he was sacked a few years ago. United finished sixth and in his first season and got into the, the Champions League via the Europa League cat flap, really. Uh, it, 
the, the fact that they, what is it, three, three, four wins in in ten at home, um, that that just doesn't give you that much confidence even going into this period of, mm. of home games where they have got Fulham, Arsenal, I think it's Huddersfield and Box Day and Bournemouth at the end of the year. Um, Cardiff away should be, you know, relatively routine. There's There are all these opponents we assume should be routine wins, but it just, it hasn't worked like that for the best part of the year under Mourinho. Uh, you, for, for all the problems they've had, a recurring one is... The, the amount of points they drop against the the relative fog, fodder of the league, they've lost to Brighton twice this year, the Newcastle game, Huddersfield last season. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if if there was a shock uh, like getting a draw at Cardiff or, or you know not beating Southampton this weekend. And I don't think the panacea for their top four ills is simply going out and buying someone like Toby Alderweireld in January or bringing a, a forward in. They do need to reinforce the squad. I don't think there's any any doubt about that, but there's also some deadwood that they need to get rid of to open up those those areas, those effectively to open up a vacancy in the squad because that's, that's partly why they didn't get a a defender in the summer they couldn't get Rojo off the books but that's that's a whole other different problem why the hell he got a new contract in March and since he got a new contract he's played more times for Argentina than United so uh, it's just a bit of a mess really uh, from from top to bottom the problems go way beyond Mourinho it's this, like rotten at the core almost yeah the night, I mean it's, it? It, there's a lot of doom lordry that I'm um channeling here but I think it probably reflects how a lot of supporters feel uh, because it's it, it does feel a little bit like Van Gaal in his final season you know struggling in in first halves of games at Old Trafford there have been some highlights this season obviously the Juventus win I think was was their best night in the Champions League since that semi-final win at Arsenal back in 2009 but that's you know that's that, that that's the only standout thing that's that's happened this season. Really, they don't, they just don't beat teams easily. I think the the easiest, most comfortable win they've had all season was away at Young Boys. Yeah, at home to Young Boys, they needed a ninety first minute goal to to get past them. So I'm just I struggle to see where the, the, the catalyst could be. It might have to be that in the lead up to Anfield they beat Southampton they beat Arsenal they beat Fulham if they do that then they've got that momentum already and if they can get a big result at Anfield maybe that will really fuel the belief but it's it, it's weird that you find it at all order for them to take seven or nine points from Southampton away and Arsenal and Fulham at home yeah it's interesting that he's talking about building momentum one key to building momentum of course is playing maybe a, a consistent side maybe consistent back four at least of course the injury to Lindelof is a setback for United in that aspect but Kieran there's a huge issue again we talk about how far we're into the season how United's hopes are only really the top four finish but it's also worrying that we're this far into the season and I still couldn't tell you the best 11 are if you ask any fan they're always going to tell you differently I guess that's always going to be sort of influenced by fan favourite players who who tend to make these 11s but no idea who United's best 11 is yeah and that's the worrying thing about a Mourinho team because his best teams down through the years you can name 1 to 11 Um, he always kept them fit by nature of the way he trained them and at United um this season it's it's staggering I think he's used you know 24 diff, 24 different players have started in the Premier League this season um, only Fulham have made more changes to starting lineup so um, I think Ranieri gets a lot of flack for being the tinker man but Mourinho has 
he's, he's rivaling him right now and it's it just reflects the chaos at the club that um, really the only mainstays have been Shaw have been Matic have been De Gea and maybe Smallin but even Smallin was out of the team for the first two games of the season so um, he's scrambling around scratching around trying to find a formula and would not surprise me if come Southampton he makes another five or six changes I mean we've seen him use Herrera in a back three McTominay in a back three Andreas Pereira started the first two games of the season he hasn't started since August now Bailly he, he hinted would play against young boys unused sub against young boys it's clearly he's not getting the most out of his best players and whether Pogba or Lukaku's nose has again been put out of joint by being dropped against young boys I guess we'll find out if they come back into the team but um, yeah I, I, I couldn't name the, the 11 bar as I said De Gea, Shaw uh, Matic and uh, Smallin they're the, the four that when fit have played and started but the rest is so up for grabs and when you you're in that situation nearly four months in that that's a worry because as much as City changed things around that core never really does change does it or Liverpool or um, indeed Chelsea or Spurs so it's a worry isn't it yeah and Samuel I guess looking as you said into these these games coming up but what I mean it's going to be interesting to see on Saturday whether Rashford plays or not there's a story in that you know it'll be twisted either one way or the other really of him Sanchez as well didn't play against young boys uh, right back Dele wasn't involved again uh, Valencia played but it's interesting there are so many players who aren't even getting a looking at the moment uh, do you think there are any players on the fringes who deserve to be brought into the into the eleven? I mean, Phil Jones maybe is one player in that candidate now. I know he's, some fans might not want to hear that, but he's probably one of the best players against young boys. And yeah, I don't think you, I don't think Jones will be dropped against Southampton. Uh, I mean, there's a startling stat that it, there's not a lot of time difference between them, but Mourinho has started Smalling and Jones together more often than Ferguson did, and there are mitigating factors with that. One being United had Ferdinand, Vidic, Evans, um, Smalling, and Jones were a lot more injury prone. Uh, during those periods Jones still is but Smalling's durability over the last uh, year or 18 months has, has, has been really good uh, I think he, he said that his, his vegan diets helped that but the fact that I think Gary Neville brought it up last December at West Brom he noticed that the back five De Gea Valencia Smalling Jones Young consisted completely of, of Ferguson signings and that is still an issue. There, are, I mean, Young's had a commendable year. Valencia has, has tailed off this year, but he did all right uh, against Young boys. Smalling and Jones, what you see is what they get. Is what you get. Uh, you know they're going to be good one week. They they could be an absolute <laughs> tragedy the next week. But the fact Mourinho keeps on reverting to them, he doesn't really help himself in that way because his argument for needing new players signed by he's not playing him signed Dallow he's not playing him I'd have thought Palace or Young Boys were ideal opportunities to start Dallow now you're looking at it and you're thinking he, he it would be daft not to play him against Valencia but then where's his next game going to come is it going to come in the FA Cup third round if they draw a non-league side so although there's a lot of uncertainty in, in the positions I think going into the weekend you'd probably say De Gea Shaw Jones Smalling maybe Young as well maybe that yeah. back five you'd think a certain and Matic uh, which I, again undroppable isn't again, it? We've learned that yeah absolutely it, it doesn't reflect well on Mourinho that he's retaining Matic because everyone can see how, how badly he's been playing how slow he is but 
the other five positions, which are the five attacking positions, which United having problems with now, um, just it just feels up for up for grabs, which is peculiar when you consider that his his four most expensive signings effectively um, would would occupy those those slots. Uh, Fred Fred did I thought decently in the first half against young boys, but. He's he's clearly not at level where Mourinho trusts him. I don't think in Premier League games. So I think he's always going to err on the side of Fellaini. I'd imagine Pogba will come back in, but Pogba, Lukaku, Sanchez. I mean, you might as well count Sanchez one of the most expensive signings purely because of the wages. Uh, there's there's no guarantee anymore that they'll they'll come into the side. I think with Lukaku, he really had to score against Palace at the weekend to keep his place. I, I didn't blame Mourinho whatsoever for taking him out, putting Rashford in. Apart from his finishing, I thought Rashford did did reasonably well. It was good to, to, for it was good to see United have a front man who was quite fluid, uh, was you know working across the lines, was energetic. They don't have that with Lukaku. Um, I mean, it's, it's it wasn't really seen as a sliding doors moment at the time, but that court of arbitration for sports decision to uphold Atletico's transfer ban and thus denying Griezmann um, or denying United the chance to sign Griezmann, I think was crucial because they'd have had a fluid figurehead in him. You know, there's this talk that there's the, the death of the number nine, but United don't have, they've not really properly replaced Van Persie from that first season when Watching him, he was like a number nine and a number 10 combined. The way he would move, the way he would drop off. He had that savvy. He was a goal scorer as well. So the problem is you either play a pure goal scorer in Lukaku who hasn't scored in, it must be about a thousand. 15 hours or something. Yeah, it, it, it must be. I think he's... So over two months now. Yeah, it's well over two months. It's It must be about a thousand minutes or something like that now. Uh, or you play Rashford who just... just his finishing is is really really poor and really unreliable. Uh, I mean, I, I thought Sanchez did okay through the middle, and I think he'd like to play through the middle. But I think he started three of the last eleven games or something like that, and and he was dropped altogether against young boys. So it's a real it's a real pickle uh, for Mourinho. Yeah, and like you said there, you alluded to that previous signing of Van Persie. Van Persie was exactly what United needed then. That was a sensible bit of business. But heading, getting close now to the giant transfer window, Kieran, first of all, is there any player you think that could be brought in realistically and could make a telling impact on United's top four chances? And secondly, do you do you think that the board should back Mourinho? As someone said before, there's the players now that are bailing him out of these games aren't even hit the no. players that he's signed like you said I think you alluded to it the game before Young Boys only two Mourinho signings were starting that game so do you think the, the board should back Mourinho in January? Um, if it was my money I wouldn't personally because I still think um, so much more can be get out of those players also I think January United and Mourinho traditionally don't like doing business and we saw the Sanchez deal for me that's an example of a mid-season arrival um, really not going to plan and we've seen with Fernando Torres in the past albeit those players you know had had better days but um, it's just not a, a great time to bring someone in and uh, as we've said before I I don't think bringing in you know even a Sergio Ramos would, would greatly change <laughs> what's going wrong at United I think it goes a lot deeper than personnel because the personnel is there to um get them out of this mess um, you know they don't suddenly become bad players do they but the worry more so for me is the message isn't carrying through 
uh, Mourinho's warning them all the time, telling them all the time, instructing them all the time, and um, very few are seeming to respond at the moment. Um, in terms of guys who could make a difference, I think the the market's so inflated as it is that United were put off buying a centre back last summer when there were a couple of quality guys out there for you know that Van Dyke level price. We saw what Van Dyke did with Liverpool once he came into that team last January. There, they got so many more clean sheets. We've seen with Allison how they've had these magic wand solutions uh, to their problems, but I, I do think there isn't really um, a magic wand solution for United it's certainly not in January that'd be just my view on it but I think they have to move past this idea of just fixing things by throwing more money at it um, because I think that's been part of the problem for in the Woodward era really I guess by Mourinho we started off with those comments Mourinho said saying he's confident they'll be in the top four by the end of the year do you think he's put more pressure on himself by doing that though? I mean what if he doesn't achieve that what if, he doesn't care? What if they aren't top four by the, by it, the end it, of the year because he'll, he'll just blame the players yeah, blame. it's just a perpetual sort of blame game going on yeah I mean what, what Kieran said about they can't just throw money at the problem is completely right because they've they've tried to uh, just spend big it's not worth they've tried to curry favour with the super agents it's not really worked they the, the scouts really need to earn their cross now they need to actually unearth some gems I mean by I know it's gone it's gone south recently but not many people had heard of him uh, he came in for 30 million pounds which seemed like a lot of money at the time and within that first season he, he'd vindicated that um, that price tag but it, it, that that's the challenge United have and Okay, there is a reluctance to go with the market inflation, but they've not really got much of a choice. They're taxed by the virtue that they're Man United anyway. They're taxed by every club in the world knowing that they're desperate for a quality centre-half as well. So, I mean, there are a couple of young lads that they're looking at in Italy. And just by virtue of the centre-half situation, these nobody's is probably a bit harsh because obviously they're well, yeah. well, well regarded in Italy but players that are unrecognisable are probably worth £30 million just because United might have sent a scout to watch them and the other issue United have is that I'd probably say not since Saha in 2004 have they made a mid-season signing and it's really paid off in that Mata came in nearly five years ago and the league was a lost cause. He was cup tied for the Champions League. I think his goals, he scored six league goals, but they were, I think, three, three were under Moyes, three were under Giggs, which kind of sums up where United were at that point. They weren't doing anything in the league. And Larson, I think, was was overrated in in two thousand seven. Vidic and Evra, obviously, it's well documented how how much they struggled in the first six months that they were at the club. So. It, it, it's a little bit peculiar as well with the centre-half thing because they're looking at a lot of options in Italy. I think Repetti, the, 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 the coach, the fitness coach they brought in from Sampdoria to tip them off about uh, the Danish lad Sampdoria. I think it's Jan Andersen. Yeah. But you would think at that mid-season point they would want a Premier League specialist if the priority is the top four because... I don't I don't care how good he's he could be, but plucking some early twenty something from Italy to come in and bolster your defence is is just not going to work. Not over a five month period. Not if Mourinho wants to, you know, 
being Austro- being Perth next July anyway. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the, the obvious one always to go back to is Alderweireld. I think there was an element of hesitation from United in the summer because Tottenham were really hot for Martial and they've had this position before with Rooney and Chelsea and not wanting to get into Rooney when they were negotiating the matter deal. It would be simpler if they did have Marshall tied down, but you think, you, you know, as Ferguson once said, lads, it's Tottenham, you know, they've, yeah. they've got to have some bravado here. It's not like Tottenham are a, a massive club. They're a better team than United now, but they've, they've got to show some front there and, 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 and just try and try and find a way to improve the squad. I know that it, it is a very good squad. It's it, not a very good squad, but it's a decent enough squad and Mourinho is underachieving with it. But the point where you'd expect this squad to finish in the top four, that's that's long gone. It does. It just does need reinforcements in January. Yeah, Kieran, I guess the, the other side of the coin is some fans might say, when will the club actually cut their losses? I mean, what, I mean if you do back Mourinho in January, I'm sure that sort of indicates that they've got faith in him going forward. Again, if you backed him and then were to get rid of him then you've got another player that maybe a new manager wouldn't yes. wouldn't maybe necessarily mm. agree with but do you think there's going to become a point in the season or is it think it's going to be when it becomes mathematically impossible maybe to finish on top four before United were to act in yeah. terms of managerial sense yeah I think so um, that was obviously the case with Moyes and Van Hal um, literally when he did the maths and it, it couldn't work out that's when they eventually went but um with Mourinho, you know, the strange thing is they gave him a new deal and then he had the lowest summer spend during his time at United. That maybe he probably felt that was the time like City and Liverpool have that, okay, I've made a couple of blunders with signings, but can we rectify that? So, you know, City after Bravo failed, they went out and bought Ederson. Um, Liverpool, you know, Klopp made those comments, you know, I never want to spend big like United have yeah, with Pogba. Yeah, it's the deal, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he got, you know, two brilliant Broke the record for the goalkeeper and, and the defender. defender. So, um, Mourinho probably felt, well, if we really want to go toe-to-toe with these these teams, uh, need another big spend. But I do think he's, he's had a fair share of money, uh, in my opinion, that um, they shouldn't be where they are. Um, and I think... Unless there's kind of a short-term uh, player available in January who can fill a gap um, on a short-term basis, I, I think it is a gamble to go in big. And I, I don't get the idea of going for a Serie A defender who's, who's 22, who's never played in England, when Lindelof's taken so long to settle and buy, uh, while he really hit the ground running, he's had issues too. So in my opinion, bringing in another kind of player in that mould yeah they're young and they're only going to get better but it's not what United need at the moment they obviously need um, a quality centre back and there's so few of those around and so few in the price range they're prepared to to pay they're they're just freaking out about paying 75 million for a centre back um, and that's just the going rate now so they obviously want to make sure it's the right one but um, with regard to Mourinho yeah I think um I can see him being given time in in terms of, you know, uh, provided they're still in and around the top eight um, going into the new year. I think getting the Champions League knockout stage, getting that boxed off is going to help him. Um, But it's just hard to see them getting into that top four for me um, unless they have a huge change because every time you think they might be back on track, you know, been some encouraging performances I thought they did very well in the Chelsea game for example I think they actually played better in parts of that than they did against Juventus I don't think they actually played amazingly against Juventus but they were they they really took their chances in the final minutes but 
there haven't been a string of those games. And when you watch United now, uh, even more so than last season, it, them stringing three or four passes together almost feels like such an effort and it shouldn't be like that. And how you fix that, it, I, that's a challenge Mourinho's never really been able to do that when things are going wrong at Chelsea, he could fully turn it around uh, to a lesser extent at Real Madrid. At United now, he's somehow got to steer the ship back and um, I think by nature of the lack of obvious candidates out there, they will stick with him and obviously they've they've faith in him in that he's got trophy winning pedigree still but you're looking at when was the last time he won the Champions League, when was the last time he won a league title. It's, 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 it's growing year by year, isn't it? Yeah, I guess going back onto the defender comments as well, it, like Samuel said before, you've got to get rid of some of the, the players. Adding another unproven defender mm. to the to the pot really that he's got available doesn't solve any issue exactly. And as you said about Mourinho, it, it, it's a new challenge for him to maybe turn around what he's got at the moment. But uh, as you've said as well, previously Samuel, there is no one out there really who could come in and and, and replace him. United aren't going to sack a manager for the sake of it if then they've got another issue on their hands. And I, I think. Um, I think Zindin Zidane's cheerleaders would probably still yeah. argue that uh, that he's the natural guy. But from a from a professional perspective, anyway, in terms of what the copies of Dan would provide, I wouldn't be too enthusiastic about it. But also um, from the football side, the the position he inherited at Madrid was so unique in that he knew those players. He played for the club. He spent, I think, well, he joined Madrid in. 2001 was it and he mm. ended his career with them in 2006 and he was an ambassador there I think he was mainly responsible for the Varane deal in 2011 so he, he knew these players and he observed them and he spoke to them on a daily basis and it was a world class squad he inherited and fortunately for him Benitez had alienated pretty much half, you know well, the mostly influential players in that squad. He came in, massaged some egos, um, got it back to basics. And yeah, it takes a lot of skill to win three Champions Leagues in succession. Yeah. No doubt about that. But he was helped an awful lot. I think I think Guardiola had it tougher at Barcelona in terms of the landscape he had there. Yeah, I know people... You've played through, didn't Yeah, you? I mean, they Guardiola. say about how Guardiola, oh, he just inherited all these players, but he had to, you know, he took the decision to get rid of Ronaldinho, yeah, uh, Deco as well. Eto obviously played that first season, but then was, was shown the door. But Zidane, and also... Zidane can speak Spanish and he can't speak English. Uh, I know that in time that wouldn't be as much of a concern, but you look at the conditions he'd inherit at United and they're just not ideal for for a, a coach of, of his um, of his standing, even though he has got the cachet of, of three successive Champions Leagues, cha- uh, Champions League wins. Uh, you know, there are times where he might feel empowered because Marshall, Pogba... Doesn't make sense to me that at all. Just being French, I'm not, I'm not sure how a French manager makes I mean, French players better automatically. It, you know, I, th- I think United fans would clutch at straws for it because they'd say they'd have said anyway two months ago he'd get the best, he'd get more out of Marshall. But Marshall's up until the Palace game anyway has been on a good run of form. Yeah. He, he did want Pogba at Real Madrid. He lobbied Perez to get him in. They, they didn't want to go toe to toe with United over that. Um, and he wanted De Gea people would think well maybe he'd convinced De Gea to stay there's this misconception that just because United are keeping hold of Mourinho that's pushing De Gea away when it's it's not the yeah. case whatsoever it was the case with Van Gaal uh, because he didn't like Van Gaal and he, he didn't particularly get on 
brilliantly with Franz Herk, the goalkeeping coach, even though Herk, I think, was responsible for developing him into a world-class goalkeeper. It's more aligned with the fact that Mourinho and De Gea share the same agent in, in Georges Mendes. Uh, I mean, if if it were, if it were up to me, which obviously it isn't, never will be. I, I, I think I think <laughs> I think Pochettino would still be yeah. the natural guy, even though there's that unticked box of trophies there, uh, purely because he's not worked with the budget and he does tick every other boxes. Brilliant football. He's assembled a brilliant team. Um, the players respond to him seems like a good man manager uh, you know I think from a political side of things for United he'd have Ferguson's approval as well so yeah I, I think I'd still go with Pochettino even though there is that you know someone could say he's won as much as David Moyes which is obviously true but you know they're, they're, they're in very different positions the processes at the time oh yeah they? absolutely I guess took a look at recruitment as well Pochettino is maybe everything United wanted really yeah um, it'd be very different for him to handle that United because obviously when Tottenham go in for a player at a football league club it's not going to cost them a lot of money um, and I don't think United would be no. uh, looking don't at the football league MK Dons exactly no no I couldn't imagine that but I think Pochettino would be the natural pit but the problem you nice have there is that since he signed that long-term contract in May would they be up for taking on Levy paying the compensation going through the rigours of that I mean that's I suppose that's the one challenge Woodward hasn't really um, fronted up to in his time you know he's he's he struck some big money deals with Raiola with Mendes um Felicevic as well I suppose you, you, you should add with the Sanchez deal because City did want him but Tottenham are a club that since the Berbatov deal United have been very very hesitant, hesitant about dealing with and that's what made it a little bit peculiar Pochettino the timing of his extension mm. um, at the time I mean, credit to Tottenham they are getting their biggest assets tied down on long term deals Ali's done it Kane's done it recently uh, but there are still some headstrong players there who who aren't quite, you know doing what they want at the moment yes I guess in the end maybe there are dreams of Pochettino but for now it's Machiavelli and Marino till the end of the season so that's mathematically impossible at least yeah probably we shall see but we'll see if Mourinho's follows through with his uh, plans to finish in top four before the end of the before the end of the year and then before the end of the season it's going to be a roller coaster. you've got some exciting away days planned then both of you I'm sure you're looking forward to Cardiff aren't you mm-hmm. that yeah. should be a nice trip Real for you capital yeah and you look forward to it as well some of you uh, it's a new stadium to take off I suppose but uh, it's it's a uh, that and Southampton are not the uh, the trips you want in the build up to Christmas it was bad it was bad enough Leicester two days before Christmas last year but uh, at least that was that was reasonably nearby, but it, it's we, we can't complain. No, I was about things. to say I'm not sure any of the listeners are going to be no, sending. They're, us they're any. turning off right now as we <laughs> speak. Oh well, well I think that's probably a good time for us to turn off as well. And thank you very much for joining us once again. We will be back again next week to evaluate whatever happened on the south coast. Who knows what we're in for, Kieran? In our other podcast, you said win, Samuel. You're not so sure. We. Sh- no, I'm not so sure. That's <laughs> still not so I sure. I think that, may, that maybe the maybe that's what we should call the podcast. We're not, not so sure. Yeah. We're, we're never sure about any games, and I don't think the players are either. We shall see what will happen against Southampton this weekend. Thank you for joining us once again. Please leave us a review and subscribe to us 